Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 21st October 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, J&J and Roche's first half wins and challenges, Alexion's Ultimiris plans, GSK's AI and genomics investments, and a wide-ranging chat with the former Secretary of the US Department of Veterans Affairs. Johnson & Johnson is reassuring investors that its pharmaceutical business will grow through the loss of exclusivity of Stellara, which is anticipated in the second half of 2023. While the diversified healthcare company generated steady growth in the third quarter, despite currency and inflation headwinds, persistent macroeconomic challenges coupled with the big upcoming patent exclusivity loss, will create difficult business conditions for J&J to navigate next year. Nonetheless, Jessica Merrill writes, management told the firm's third quarter sales and earnings call on 18th October that it's prepared to rise to the challenge and reaffirmed its mid-term revenue target for the pharma business. We remain confident that we'll continue to grow our pharmaceutical business every year towards our goal of $60 billion in pharmaceutical sales by 2025, despite the Solara LOE, Chief Financial Officer Joseph Volk said. The company is on track to spin out its consumer healthcare business into a new company to be called Kenview in the middle of 2023, positioning J&J as a pharma and medical device business. J&J's pharma business generated $52.08 billion in 2021, and the company has vowed to investors that the business will achieve above-market growth every year through 2025, including in 2023. Worldwide Pharmaceuticals chairman Jennifer Taubert said growth in 2023 will be driven by existing growth drivers like Darzalex and Tremphia, as well as by newer launches like the CAR-T therapy Carvicti for multiple myeloma. While Stellara is certainly a big product, I think it's Johnson & Johnson's largest product ever, we're not dependent on one product alone, Volk said. So, the breadth of the portfolio that exists today, as well as that which is to come, I think, bodes extremely well for continued growth that investors have come to expect. Stellara generated $2.45 billion in revenue in the third quarter, growth of 3% on a reported basis, factoring in a negative 5% headwind from currency fluctuations. Altogether, J&J's pharma business generated $13.21 billion in the third quarter, growth of 2.6% on a reported basis, factoring in a negative 6.4% impact from currency. J&J indicated that it expects the challenging business environment, including inflationary pressure, to persist in the near term. Roche saw its pharma revenues go into reverse as COVID-19 therapies Actemra and Ronaprev fell in the third quarter. But its new eye therapy, Vabismo, provided the good news with an exceptional liftoff in sales. Pharma division revenues dropped by 6% to 10.84 billion Swiss francs, which is about 10.9 billion US dollars, compared with the same period last year with the COVID-19 therapy's decline exacerbated by a continued shrinkage in its biosimilar-besieged older cancer drugs, Andrew McConaughey writes. Many of the Swiss company's newer growth-driving drugs also fell short of analyst consensus forecasts, including the cancer immunotherapy Tecentric, 
which was 6% below expectations at 934 million Swiss francs, and looked at from a year-to-date perspective, the Swiss giant had to rely on the diagnostics division to provide the growth. Its 6% revenue growth for the nine months, translating into a 2% growth at constant exchange rates, to 47.0 billion Swiss francs. The company is still expecting mid to single digit growth for the full year, but analysts expect 2023 will also prove to be low growth, with momentum only picking up again in 2024. That limited growth conceals what is rated as one of the sector's best product portfolios and pipelines, the latter featuring 85 new molecular entities, which is a record for the company, including 13 projects in Phase 3 and at registration. One bright spot among the existing portfolio highlighted on 18th October was the performance of newly launched Vibismo, a next-generation age-related macular degeneration and diabetic macular edema drug. Only launched in January 2022, the eye therapy achieved revenues of 282 million Swiss francs in the nine-month period, thanks to the company persuading ophthalmologists and patients to switch away from existing therapies, especially Regeneron Bayer's market leader, Ilea, and attract first-time patients. Ilea must be administered once every one to two months, but by contrast, Verbismo, after an initial series of four monthly injections, can be taken once every one to four months, depending on the patient's vision, outcomes, and the anatomy. Alexion Pharmaceuticals' new complement inhibitor, Ultamiris, has excelled in a Phase 3 trial in Neuromyelitis Optica Spectrum Disorder, or NMOSD, the firm has said, further establishing the product as a successor to the Solaris franchise ahead of its loss of patent exclusivity. AstraZeneca's rare disease unit will present the new data from the Champion NMOSD trial at the European Committee for Treatment and Research in Multiple Sclerosis meeting later this month, Aisha Sharma writes. The trial evaluated Ultimiris, a complement component 5 inhibitor, in 58 people with anti-aquaporin-4 autoantibody-positive NMOSD, an autoimmune condition that causes damage to the spinal cord and optic nerve. Those positive for anti-AQP4 autoantibodies comprise around three-quarters of the whole disease population. The new clinical data showed that there were zero adjudicated on-trial relapses in Ultimaris-treated patients at a median treatment duration of 73 weeks, representing a relapse risk reduction of 98.6%, P less than 0.0001, compared with placebo. While the company would not comment on timelines for a potential US FDA filing in NMOSD, it was noted that the company was working expeditiously to this end. CEO Mark Denoyer said the results suggested Ultimiris could ease treatment burden for the community. There are few approved treatment options for NMOSD, and the disease is commonly managed with the use of steroids and rituximab. Deutsche Bank research analyst Emmanuel Papadakia said in a 13th October note that the C5 inhibitor market opportunity in NMSOD is worth around $1.5 billion. Alexian's older C5 inhibitor Solaris became the first drug to win an FDA thumbs up for AQP4AB plus NMOSD in 2019 
based on data that showed it reduced the risk of adjudicated on-trial relapse by 94.2% compared with placebo. Papadakier remarked that Ultimaris's relapse reduction rate was well ahead of Solaris. This is pertinent as Solaris is currently facing patent challenges and a biosimilar from Amgen could be on the market as soon as 2025 under the terms of a litigation settlement agreement with Alexion that Amgen inked two years ago. GSK's new Chief Scientific Officer, Tony Wood, has begun his leadership with an expanded investment in genomics and artificial intelligence and machine learning, aimed at helping the company improve its R&D success rate. Wood took over as GSK's research leader at the beginning of August, having worked alongside his predecessor, Hal Barron, since 2017 to turn around the company's long-term R&D underperformance, which included reversing an exit from oncology. A lack of success in bringing new drugs to market has seen GSK slip down the industry revenue rankings from 2nd in 2000 to 9th position in 2021, Andrew McConaughey writes. But CEO Dame Emma Wormsley and Wood believe a reinvigorated scientific culture and more focused R&D approach begun by Barron can help it rejoin the sector's top tier. This approach includes insisting that most drug candidates have genetically validated targets, and here Wood played a key role during Barron's tenure, building GSK's functional genomics and AIML organisations from scratch. The company now employs 120 experts in AI and machine learning, which it now claims is the biggest in-house AI team anywhere in Big Pharma. Wood made his debut media briefing on 17th October with the announcement of an expanded alliance with AI and database precision medicine company Tempus and said this approach was central to his vision for R&D. He said it's an example of doubling down on technology to deliver innovation faster and that's one of my top priorities as chief scientific officer. He said that in his near 30 years in the sector, the integration of AI and genomics into drug research was the most impactful he had ever seen. It's really set to transform our industry, and at GSK it has been at the forefront of this, making significant and early investments with the ambition of doubling our R&D success rates. Having built the GSK AI team himself, Wood is betting that having a high level of expertise in-house will prove more productive than the more common approach where pharma companies are more heavily reliant on external collaborators. Most importantly, it means we are able to really embed and write our own sophisticated AI ML products. We are not unwrapping other people's software, Wood told Scrip. Finally, as pharma readies to deal with the landmark US Inflation Reduction Act, or IRA, which establishes unprecedented powers for price controls in Medicare. A former government official has asserted that industry is not likely to face a big financial hit, but ought to address the issue of affordability in earnest or risk action. In an interview with Scripps Andrew Gangurdi on his recent visit to India, David Shulkin, former Secretary of the US Department of Veterans Affairs in the Trump administration, stated that while the impact of the IRA isn't likely to be that severe, what's important is that the signal is set on the back of public opinion in the US 
suggesting that more than 80% of Americans are concerned that drugs are no longer affordable. When you have public opinion of 80%, that's where politicians begin to start working together to find solutions, explained Shulkin, who was also the VA's Undersecretary of Health in the Obama administration. The executive has in the past similarly emphasised that public opinion will shape the midterm elections and politics in general. The IRA, which for the first time provides the Medicare programme the ability to control drug prices, is a signal to industry that the government has the political will to do that. But it isn't a real significant financial hardship since it only involves 10 medications that will start in 2026 and additional drugs thereon each year, he explained. So if you think about the impact on the industry, this is more symbolic rather than having a big financial impact. But if this was not included, if this was not passed, if there wasn't both Republican and Democratic support, the industry would not have taken this as a serious threat to future actions, Shulkin stated. This is a perfect outcome of a Washington bill, which means that everybody can say that they didn't get enough and they can say that they are being harmed. But in fact, in this bill, everybody gets what they want, Shulkin said in the wide-ranging interview. He also touched on other areas, including adoption of digital tools, his move to eliminate regulatory barriers to achieve greater adoption of telemedicine at the VA, and also on what to expect or not for global healthcare in the months ahead. Check out the full interview for all the details. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. And a reminder that all the articles discussed here are linked in the article accompanying this podcast. They form just a fraction of those published in script last week. So log in to access all of our content or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.